Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Fracture and Text Expander. Woo! Yeah! I'm Samantha Rochefort, a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined today by Brianna Wu, Democratic candidate for Congress, and Christina Warren, senior cloud developer advocate, and the leftovers that I'm not going to put in my mouth, even though they'll be (laughs) sitting next to me on the bed for the next hour. Well, I mean, you can nibble, just like mute yourself when you're nibbling. Just delicately, just... Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, with the first topic, I'm going to go so deep on ray tracing. Honestly, here's what's going to happen. So, um, the people, the people at home may know that NVIDIA announced some very exciting new graphics cards. uh, And what's going to happen is Bree's going to talk about them. And Mm -hmm. then Christina's going to talk about them. (laughs) And I'm just going to kind of mute my mic and I'm going to wander you know, I might do some laundry or something. Every so often, I'll come back. I'll turn the mic on and I'll go, uh-huh. <laughs> and then um, we'll all go about our days. But at, at, at the end of the day, obviously, what I'm going to have is a, a super sick new gaming rig that's going to super sample all the graphics and run in everything in 4K. And then the lighting will be so realistic that my eyes will burn out. Right, Brie? Uh, maybe, uh, sort of. I mean, <laughs> you, you heard the whole scandal this week. Well, I mean, talk about it from the beginning, and then Christina, I will tear it to pieces. <laughs> All right. So at Gamescom in Germany, NVIDIA announced their new lineup of graphics cards, which are the 2080 line coming after the 1080 line. The whole presentation was very focused around the idea that these graphics cards will excel at ray tracing, which is basically how light is presented in the game or perceived in the game and Brianna will go far into depth on that later I assure you um the measurements that they showed at Gamescom talked about the ray tracing stats and how much that would be improved based on the 1080 line but we have not yet seen as far as I know any comparisons otherwise to Nvidia's current cards that being said those cards are like $200 off right now, so you should maybe get one uh, before the next generation of $500 or $600 to $2,000 graphics cards comes around. So um, basically, these cards are coming out, I believe, at the end of September, NVIDIA has said. Uh, and it's kind of, they're kind of presenting it as this is what the gamers have been waiting for. It is time, finally, to have the most realistic gaming you could ever have in your life. But there are a lot of reasons, I think, to A, say, okay, this is a very new product, we should be skeptical. B, say, we haven't necessarily seen how it compares to what is on the market currently in a way that is meaningful to us because the stat of, what is it, RTX, um, hold on, (laughs) RTX operations does not mean anything to us at the moment. Bree, Nothing. how do you feel about <laughs> the status well, of this? Well, first I just want to tell, I mean, you were as uplifted as I was this week. The very mature reaction <laughs> of, by gamers of this wonderful new technology, right? Like we just, we took it in stride and um, yeah, it was fantastic, right? I love, I love every reaction of gamers. They're all wonderful and unique and beautiful and sensitive. 
Yes. Always very sensitive. sensitive. Always very sensitive. sensitive. Okay. So here's here's the story on this. Like, NVIDIA has been really pushing the, the boundaries on ray tracing for a long time. Um, I, I want to back up a little bit and just assume that some rocket listeners don't attend SIGGRAPH conferences <laughs> on, on light issues with 3D engines. There's nothing that takes up more time uh, as far as uh, draw uh, um, you know, draw cycles and all of that with uh, making a game as lighting. It is huge. Um, you know, one of the ways we got around it in the 90s is we would actually bounce all the rays uh, off of things and we would bake it into the light map. So if you look at like games from the 90s, if you'd see like a, a lamp that was on a table, we would like bake all the light from a scene. It would show the the shadow that that lamp cast on a table. And then we would uh, basically put light maps on top of a 3D object, like a texture map or a specular map or a bump map or a diffuse map. And it would basically uh, just dim a 3D object where that lighting was. This is, it's a pretty good cheat baiting, baking in all that light, uh, but it does have some downsides, right? Like if you have a, a character moving actively over it, you can't really disturb the scene. You can't have destructible objects. Uh, you can't really, you know, break anything in the scene. And it's hard if you have things that got lights in the room coming on. So we're always trying to like cheat that, um, which is why when you're setting up lights for scenes, you have like static lighting and dynamic lighting. Uh, so you'll say like, this light is always going to be on. It's always going to behave in this way. This is a very expensive dynamic light. What this NVIDIA technology is doing basically is turning on lighting and having it be permanently uh, dynamic in a very, very sophisticated way. Uh, if I wanted to set up ray tracing for a scene, I would basically have to turn on my Mac Pro and have it churning out frames for several days to get like <laughs> a, you know, a 4K scene of like 30 seconds to get really deep ray tracing on this. Uh, what NVIDIA's technology is doing is they're basically finding ways to cheat ray tracing with the bot of AI and predicting where things are going to be. And, um, you know, it's, um, it's, it's basically a lot of cheats. This is what the graphic engine is always cheats. doing. Yeah, cheats. Well, right. I mean, like, think about this. If you have a, a really good example is if a wall is in front of you in a video game, your engine doesn't like draw what's behind that wall, right? It just mm -hmm. says, yeah, I don't really have to think about that. I don't see that. Therefore, it doesn't exist right now. Well, and, and this technology is taking that into account is saying things like, well, this light could be bouncing over here. So we'll be ready for this just in case it is. And it's, you know, it has the potential to show like really hyper realistic scenes. Now, just kind of talking about the way gamers <laughs> responded mm -hmm. to this, which was so terrible, is they got this and they started like putting in Shadow of the Tomb Raider and they're like, <laughs> oh my God, this doesn't make everything look perfect. <laughs> like it's Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And they're not thinking, th with all respect, you're not thinking through the problem right. and realizing I've got to go through and optimize the game for that technology. It's just <laughs> right. It's not just going right? to magically work, right? It like, doesn't just magically work. You've got to prep it. You've got to <sighs> optimize it. You've got to think through things. So the long story short here is um, 
if you care about ray tracing, don't in in like it's like, oh, if this doesn't perfectly ray trace everything, I'm not gonna buy this card. Don't buy this until Ars Technica writes an article about it. That's a really or, good or, idea for or anything. A, or or right. Nantech, right? Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Either of the two will be fine. I feel like it's going to be, I mean, once we're a few years out and all the bugs have been ironed out and then games are actually being created to yeah. use this technology. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. It oh, has, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll embed some of the videos in the show notes. This has wonderful potential. But, you know, like they've been working on this for a long way. And just understand, like for game developers to use this technology, we're gonna have to optimize it the same way we do, you know, any number of new technologies, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, just take it in stride. What was your take, Christina? basically kind of the same as yours. Like, I think the potential of this is actually huge, especially once um, uh, games are, are written to take advantage of this. And and potentially not just, just games, but from a GPU perspective, because these are solving some interesting AI problems, you could do some potentially, you know, they didn't really tout this, but you could see some maybe interesting compute solutions too, right? Like, there, there's. Um, I, I think this has the potential to be really impressive. And, you know, I'm not a gamer the same way that you guys are, but I, I do, uh, you know, like um, my, my, my games and this sort of stuff. And, and my husband, you know, plays uh, a lot. And it's one of those things where, um, you know, I think NVIDIA has already, in my opinion, like they really, with the 1080 series, really catapulted over um, AMD, at least in, in, in the gaming category. You know, you, you can debate and maybe some of the compute things or whatnot. And... I don't really, as you were saying at the beginning, Simone, like it's not clear how much better these are going to be than those cards, the the the, the, the 280 series is going to be uh, versus the the 1080 series. But um, I, I'm I'm excited about the prospects, and I'm especially excited about once game developers are starting to be able to really use this stuff to see what sort of improved effects we might see and and that sort of thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I'm I'm always down for a. For, for new graphics card news. Um, although it'll be interesting to see what happens to pricing, right? Because the the crypto boom last year drove graphics prices through the stratosphere. And, and now NVIDIA has like a backlog of 1080s they're trying to get rid of. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if they lower the prices on those or, or where the, 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 the 2080 prices are when those come out. I think I, I'm going to check I mean, the Polygon article. Yeah. The Polygon, yeah, well, no, I, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, the entry-level one because it was the two oh. later ones that was pronounced. But it'll be interesting to see what where the entry-level one will be priced and also if there's any impact on the 1080 prices. Because you might, because, you know, if we take the supposition that it might be a year and a half before you start seeing AAA titles really taking advantage of this, and, and that might be too long, I'm not really sure. But let's just say that, um, let's say 12 months, um, and, and it might be longer before you have a lot of titles that do it. If you could get like a 1080 Ti, you know, um, cheap, relatively speaking, that mm-hmm. might be a, a, a that might be a good opportunity for for people who are looking at upgrading an older. So, do you think that card. we'll have to compete with Bitcoin miners to get? I mean, that or <laughs> well, well. Also, do no, you think the yes new card? No. Do you, Do you think that Bitcoin miners will be after the new card? <sighs> well, so the whole thing is that. For, for for crypto mining, GPUs aren't the best thing. It's it's uh, FPGAs and and um uh, what's what's the other thing called? They they basically have these like custom like built 
um, devices that are designed to, to uh, mine crypto. And those are far better, even though they're harder to build. Those are far better for crypto mining. The problem was is that last year when the boom happened, even if you weren't able to use like the, the ideal like hardware devices, the money was so huge that people were just like, screw it, I'll just use a GPU anyway. And so they were buying everything up. And, and uh, because, you know, when, when Bitcoin's $20,000 a coin, like, screw it. But now that it's, it's um, been in this bear period, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I don't, I, I think that we'll probably continue to see some, like, artificially inflated prices. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, uh, unless, you know, Bitcoin doubles in price again or something like that, I, I don't think that you're going to have the same thing that happened last year, which was everybody rushing out to buy 1080s and putting the price, you know, to over $1,000 for a card that was $600, you know, seven months earlier um, because of of uh, lack of supply. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes when we're talking about 3D graphics, there's, you know, there's a tendency to think about things in like isolation and think that's like the one variable that's really going to push it forward. When the truth is any scene is like a, a mixture of so many different uh, technologies. A really good example is programmable shaders. If you look at skin texture in games, it looks much, much better today than it did you know, five years ago because of SSS programmable shaders, which are really good at uh, simulating the way skin looks in video games, which is an interesting mm. problem because you've got like blood underneath the skin and, you know, making it kind of glow in this very subtle way. That's a really hard thing to get right. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to, you know, get on board with buzzwords because most people that buy this are just going to say, Oh, ray tracing. That's great. I'll, I'll pick that up. Right. That said, ray tracing really is, one of the biggest variables that's like turning your average like PlayStation four game and differentiating it from like a, a Hollywood movie where they can pre bake everything. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like if you have like fire dancing, like one of their shots is like fire being reflected in a car's, um, you know, glossy clear coat. Yeah, that's something you see on a really subconscious level. And it's what makes a PlayStation four game just, even though it's gorgeous, feel detached. So right. I I do want to say, I think that this particular um, front-end graphics card warfare, it really does have a potential to, to really get consumers excited about 3D technology again. And I think like, you know, the next topic we're about to talk about with Max is really, is more of a story about commoditized hardware that hasn't really needed to push itself this really is the opposite of that. And I I would really hope that this would kind of push the whole industry to really think twice about the kind of, uh, you know, 3D graphics cards we're putting in the things we sell. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think you're dead on. Um, oh, and just uh, the word I was trying to look for before in terms of the Bitcoin hardware is it's ASIC hardware. Oh. That, that, was, that, that was what I was trying to think of and couldn't. So anyway. So Brie, I'm curious... For you uh, as a game developer, your game obviously wasn't a Call of Duty (laughs) or Rise of the Tomb Raider in in terms of like (laughs) intense realism. Right. Is this ability still something that 
what what kind of different I obviously would have made a difference, but what kind of difference would it have made for you as a developer? Well, I'm working on Apple hardware. We did dedicate ourselves for that early on. And it's basically, um, you know, like working with Unreal Engine. So let's widen it out to what this is going to mean for the whole community. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really interesting things the game industry has done in the last uh, decade since I started working here is all the studios have kind of specialized in their own proprietary internal graphics engine. Like, right, the new Resident Evil 2 remake that's coming out, uh, they use like their proprietary is a Frostbite engine or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they've got their own proprietary one. Square's got their own proprietary one. I was really surprised when the last Tekken, Tekken 7, used Unreal Engine 4. So um, what's going to have to happen is every one of those engines is going to have to kind of look at this technology and apply it. And what's really awesome about the way modern graphics engines are built is we've really gotten good at making things more scalable than they were, which is why, you know, we've talked about the PS4 Pro and the Xbox uh, X Scorpio. You know, it's it's much easier for developers to say, ah, oh, you've got the hardware for it. Let's uh, crank those textures up. Let's crank those bump maps up. Let's crank up the lights. Like, let's add more particle effects. That's relatively easy to do. So, um, you know, as this technology, you know, kind of uh, matriculates out through the industry, I think it would be relatively simple to turn on and off. I mean, generally, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for the people at Unreal or Frostbite or any of those other companies that have to implement it. But, you know, for a game developer perspective, it's generally uh, turning it on and making sure it's within your computational budget. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you have any final, I guess, thoughts to add? Uh, this is interesting, and I think gamers should be skeptical, though. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, back in 2015, NVIDIA got in some really hot water about mm-hmm. false uh, advertising lawsuit. They did. And, you know, I would say, um, yeah, I'm not trying to cast dispersions. Like yeah. I mean, they're their whole presentation and everything with the RTX operations used as the benchmark do you think that they learned anything from their uh, lawsuit? I I do. I mean, I think that they probably had lawyers go through <laughs> yeah, that yeah. this time a little bit more. But, like, look, this goes for any tech that you're buying. Anything. Like, wait for, you know, wait for ours or in tech to take it apart, to really strip it down, to give you a sense of what's changed about it. It's always a good buying decision because ultimately they're trying to market and sell you a product. And, you know, like in the 90s, it was blast processing with the Mm. Genesis. And today it's about to be ray tracing. So be skeptical. (laughs) Well, this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Fracture. Fracture is the company that can take your favorite images and print them directly onto glass for you to display in your home. And they make the perfect thoughtful gift. Fractures are handmade in the Gainesville in Gainesville, Florida from US sourced materials and their sleek frameless design goes with any decor. Ordering is super simple and Fractures come ready to display straight out of the box cuz they're pretty like that. They even include a wall hanger. That is how fuss-free the Fracture experience is. 
Fracture is also a green company and operates a carbon-neutral factory, which they lovingly refer to as their fractory. And I'm <laughs> furious with myself because my dad is going to be in the country for this wedding I'm going to. And I should have thought to get one of these now to give to him in person instead of sending it on to France. But I'm a fool. <laughs> but... This is absolutely what I'm going to do because, as you know, my dad does not – well, A, no dad needs anything because they're useless people who just have things. B, they love their kids, or at least my dad does. So guess what? He does actually need pictures of us (laughs) together because he misses me. So (laughs) long story short, where will I display my fractures? My dad will display them in his beautiful apartment in Toulouse, possibly in a country home that he'll purchase. Maybe he'll he'll show them to his his real estate clients. I'm telling you a lot of information about my dad that you don't <laughs> need. Um, but now you know it. Now you have it. But the information that you actually need, it's about fracture and how these prints make amazing gifts for family and friends. And all those photos that you've taken your selfie with with someone that you care about, no matter who they are, get that off your phone. Get that on to Fracture's website. You can go to fractureme.com slash rocket to get started and see how sleek Fractures look. You also get 15% off your first order. So that is fractureme.com slash rocket. F-R-A-C-T-U-R-E-M-E dot com slash rocket. Open it up right now and get 15% off. Thank you so much, Fracture, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Real quick, Simone, does yeah. your dad in Toulouse, does he happen to have, does he happen to like Airbnb any places? Just out of curiosity. I think he's been thinking about it. Like we've both been just tossing around the idea because it's such a college town. The idea of like, what if we bought an apartment and rented it out? Um, see, he should see he should do that and then like fill it with with fractures like, of me, fra- and then it'd exactly. be weird when people came in. They'd be like, yeah. "Who is no. she? Is she a no. model?" But yes, it would be that. But also, it'd be like a great way for like fans of Simone de Rochefort to stay in the Simone de Rochefort um, hostel. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't think I want... That's like Simone. a few less degrees. <laughs> like, come stay in the home that my <laughs> family really owns. You're really uncomfortable right now. Yeah. No, I'm not saying your actual <laughs> home. I'm saying like if you were to get an apartment just for Airbnb purposes. Still. Still. <laughs> I'm trying to make but it I weird. Mean, we should. I'm not saying that homes shouldn't be full of fractures of me <laughs> from fractureme.com slash rocket. I'm just saying, let's let's have some boundaries here in our lives. Anyway. Oh my god. So disappointed. Rumor report. Rumor report. I'm excited about this. Me oh too. So the rumors now, folks. More Mac rumors. The rumors <laughs> are one. Apple will be releasing a new MacBook, a smaller, cheaper MacBook that is a 13-inch one with thinner bezels than the MacBook Air, but a retina screen. And it will kind of be replacing the MacBook Air as the, the affordable member of the Mac line. 
Super friggin' exciting. Also rumor, first upgrade to the Mac Mini in roughly four years. Which one of these are you more excited for? Genuine um, question. Uh, no, uh, the, the potential MacBook Air replacement, obviously. Same answer. Yeah, same. Because uh, cause they're like, oh, the Mac Mini might be geared towards pro users, which really just means overpriced. <laughs> that, yeah, that made me go, huh. Because I, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like, I mean, it's good to have a lot of options, obviously. But it seemed like there are already kind of those things in the, the Mac family right now. But on the other hand, yay. I mean, I'm happy to see them kind of. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm happy that, that apparently the mini isn't dead. Like, honestly, that's I awesome. Know. Uh, because, you know, the mini is good, is, is, is awesome. But um, at the same time, uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, uh, why would anybody buy this when you could get an, an Intel Nook and, and um, you know, Hackintosh it? But I, I, I know we're not supposed to... Uh, say those things although if, if you were actually a professional needing a headless mac like like you know <laughs> that's what you would do that's what just that's what jason snell did even so oh I don't my know. heavens i, I can't g- believe you said that i just I, love that I'm you shocked. said the the word hackintosh which i know <laughs> is is a real thing but it delighted me and i think you should continue saying it all the time happy to even though uh, so we don't support it <laughs> so i, w- I want to take yourself. these i <laughs> I want to take these one at a time. Yeah. Like you've got the you've got the MacBook Air. That's a whole thing. I want to start with the Mac Mini. Sure. Yeah. The last time they updated the Mac Mini, it was a very different world for Apple. You know yeah. the. Um, in fact, the last time like it was really a force in the Mac world. Uh, it was before the iPad had really been released, and I mean, it's certainly before it had gotten really big mainstream success, and a long time before you had things like the you know, the iPad Pro. And the truth is today, there are a lot of kind of low-cost ways to be introduced into the the Apple ecosystem. So I think like part of the reason we haven't seen them update this is, you know, there's just less and less of a market for it. So, you know, one of the the niche ways that they found to kind of, um, you know, in this rumor, make you excited about the Mac Mini is talking about the the use for it in server farms. And I have to say, I am a diehard Mac fan, but you know, we know a lot more about server farms today than we did 10 years ago and how to mm-hmm. make that like cost efficient. And I got to say, it's a, it's, you know, that's a hard sell. Like even some of the sponsors on the show, like make really great, you know, ways to have servers set up for you. So I, I, I'm just increasingly unsold on what the role of this is. Yeah. You know? No, with, well, without a doubt. And more than that. So, you know, gosh, I don't remember how many years ago it was now, but Apple used to always sell. Basically, I think I think when they got rid of the Xserve, um, you know, it was the first big thing that showed that they didn't really care about the server as much because they used right. to sell this product called the Xserve, which would fit into a, um, a, a, a network like a rack and it was like a professional grade, you know, like network server, but it was running um, uh, then called Mac OS X Server Edition. And they would actually sell the server edition separately from regular Mac OS X, which then became Mac OS X and is now Mac OS. And yep. I don't remember when they got rid of the uh, specific server uh, build, 
but that was that was a few years ago. And you've been able to kind of enable some of those features by doing some more advanced things. Um, but actually, with the next version of Mojave, they're getting rid of even more of the server functionality. Um, the the Mac Mini, they did release kind of a server edition of that, uh, I believe, before the 2014 release. And, and so a number of people did do things that way. And and you do have um, a Mac Mini Colo, which I think is Bit Stadium, is, is who bought them. You know, there are people who will remotely, um, you know, uh, co-locate a, a Mac mini and basically use it as a cloud machine if they need to do, for instance, a, a very popular use case is if you're doing iOS um, app builds yeah, and you need to compile and run lots of tests, you can do it in the cloud using, you know, um, Mac minis, it, uh, uh, you know, um, co-located rather than having to um, have the local machines maybe all around you. So, so there are use cases for that. But what's happened is a couple things. One, the as you were saying, we know a lot more about running servers now than we did before. And and I think the biggest thing is that everybody kind of admits that uh, you know Linux is basically one. And, yeah. and not yeah. not not that OS ten was ever a contender because it was not uh, ever. But 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 Linux is one to the point that you know Apple releases uh, some of their utilities even like like Swift has a certain um, compatibility things with with Linux and whatnot and uh, you know that's that's how everybody's managing things especially when you're getting into like you know DevOps and, and pushing and pulling code uh, Linux is what everyone's using um, more than that you know whole practices have changed too when, when when you get into looking at things like Docker and Kubernetes and and other stuff that I don't want to bore the audience with uh, a lot of the things that I that I think about now in my day job. And and then you also have services for if you're looking at doing build tests and and things like that with even iOS apps, where you now have services like uh, 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 App Center, which is a, a Microsoft thing, which was kind of born out of um, a, a company that Microsoft acquired a number of years ago called um, Hockey, which was a way to uh, which is, is similar to Test Flight, where um, people can actually run different builds and different tests on different types of devices in the cloud. So you have, and, and there are other companies that offer, offer offer similar things. So you don't even need to own the hardware. You can just pay for the compute time. So the the reason for non, you know, uh, I guess like uh, infrastructure companies to need to have networked Macs as servers is less and less. You do have some people like my friend Brett Terpstra who really likes having a remote Mac where he can access from anywhere and, and use, you know, screen sharing to do all kinds of other, you know, ridiculous things. And, yeah. and, 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 and there, are, there are those edge cases, but you don't see the average person doing that. And, and I think even if you were trying to set up like a home server, you know, you'd be much better with the Synology NAS system, which again is like Linux-based, rather than trying to do something with a Mac Mini, which is what I did a decade ago. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the target is. And, and even going beyond that, where you see a lot of use cases historically, where you would see maybe people have bunches of, of Mac Minis, would be in um, you know, film editing and animation stuff. But they all use Linux and they use custom animation apps yeah. anyway. So, in fact, I, I, we've got I don't a know. lot of really great people that uh, will actually build uh, plugins into Maya or 3D Max or whatever it is you use. Though, actually, like you can send it off and buy server times now, it will just pass you back the rendered information. So, um, it's just a very different world today. So, I mean, let's let's be honest about what this is really about. A lot of Apple fans don't feel like Apple respects the Mac still. And right. when we see so many of their product lines on life support, you know, like the 
the you Mac know, Pro. The, the Mac Pro, especially the MacBook, uh, the MacBook Pro has not really been given the attention it needs. You know, this is just another line that's kind of been left to die. I would say out of everything we've got, if I had to pick one thing to take off to the executioner's block, I mean, it would be this. I just kind of don't feel like there's a point to it any. Yeah, because if you're, I mean, if you really, I I don't know. I mean, I guess based on what you said, it's going to be a somewhat expensive product for the edge cases like your friend Brett Terpstra. Right. And we could all just use a Mac Pro if we need a headless Mac or. Right. Or, 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 you know, even even MacBooks or whatever. I mean, and, and even Brett, I think, depending on the price on this thing, would be like. Okay, wait. I'm paying how? Because we don't know what it's going to be. I mean, that this this is all rumor and conjecture. But but by 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 the simply that this you know statement that oh you know this will be aimed at professionals. That to me says, oh okay, well this will be expensive. So, um, you know how many of those people would be willing to pay whatever the price is? I don't know. Um, so yeah, I I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I <sighs> the Mac Mini when it first came out, it was a Power PC product and it was. Four ninety nine, and you, the whole thing was bring your own um, uh, keyboard, bring your own monitor. And back then, it was not long after you know, kind of the the peak iPod, and it was before the iPhone. Like I said, this is still Power PC, and it was an inexpensive, relatively speaking, way for people to try the Mac. And it's changed over time and, and how people have used it have changed, but it was always seen as kind of the least expensive option of getting a Mac. And so I think if it is touted and kind of maybe pivoted towards professionals, anybody who holds on to those historical notions, which is, well, I can't afford an iMac, so I'm just going to get a Mac Mini, would probably be better off mm-hmm. just getting an iMac. Yeah. 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 Well, what about our other contender, which is the 13-inch new MacBook with the Retina screen? I mean, I think this is something that's going to be wildly successful. I, do I think already it want cheap. it. Really? I'm sorry. I want it. No. Everybody yeah. wants it. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> something about the idea. I mean, like to have, because I don't technically need the macbook pro as my personal computer outside of work because all i do on it is internet and writing there are some but there's something very appealing about having that like small affordable computer but then having the nice screen so that i can like watch things on it that look pretty i'm like yes yes sure i i mean we don't know anything about it except like those four facts like 13 inch smaller bezels the macbook air uh probably cheaper or at least as cheap as the Mac, like in the MacBook air price range and retina screen. Like those are fine. I can't really complain about it because those are the four things I know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it'll be interesting, right? Because uh, John Gruber wrote a really interesting article that, that went up just not, not too long before um, uh, we recorded where he was like, you know, let's really think about this new low cost laptop to succeed the MacBook Air thing. And, and while he's writing it, he kind of uh, argues with himself about what direction Apple is going to take. And at first he's like, well, there's no way that Apple would just update the MacBook Air or the Retina screen. And then he's like, by the end of it, he's kind of like, well, maybe they would. And 
it, it does uh, uh, ponder like an interesting question, like how do they position this? Because you have the MacBook Pro without the touch bar. You have the MacBook Pro with the touch bar. You have the MacBook. And then you have the 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 um, much loved um, and uh, wholly abandoned MacBook Air, which is still probably I would I would think one of the best selling um, Macs that Apple sells. Even though it hasn't been updated in years, it's beyond ancient. Um, it's frankly affordable and uh, has the ports and, and the connectivity that a lot of people want. So I think that if Apple could come out with something that is the equivalent of what the MacBook Air was when it was first, when its second iteration came out, I think it was in 2010, um, and that design has persisted where it was like a quality Mac, lightweight, whatnot, kind of the everyman computer, that would be great. Um, I'm, I'm kind of of two minds. I'm kind of of the thought that they might make some modifications to the existing MacBook Air design, but maybe make the bezels a little bit smaller and 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 you know change the keyboard and maybe add you know like a, a Thunderbolt three port, um, but keep kind of the teardrop shape, or they might do something to um, get the price down of the um, MacBook Pro without the Touch Bar and kind of position that as the MacBook Air because. For all intents and purposes, that's what that was kind of designed to be. The problem was, is when it came out, it was $1,500 and still is, which is way too much. Whereas a MacBook Air currently starts at, you know, like $1,000. And so, you know, you're talking about a a tremendous amount of of difference in price. But I do feel like there could be room for them to have the higher-end MacBook, even if it's less powerful, because that's like the the small and like cachet device. And then, you know, the higher-end now, you know, uh, four-core, you know, more powerful, you know, MacBook Pro with touch bar. And then maybe you do have the dual-core, you stick with dual-core, um, uh, you know, uh, MacBook uh, Escape, as, as, as Marco Arment dubbed it, um, without the touch bar. And uh, may- maybe you, you drop some other... Uh, things too to keep to get the price down and maybe that becomes for all intents and purposes the MacBook Air but you don't change the branding I don't know I'm, I'm curious what you guys think I mean I, I want I a think... diagram of everything you just said <sighs> I want a beautiful flow chart <laughs> I love it no I think uh you know something I think is really notable is how much more powerful the MacBook Air is than the 12-inch MacBook. Yeah. Um, it's really stunningly more powerful. And that little bit of extra space really makes it a much more tenable uh, laptop for you know, even things like video editing. I've seen people that have done decent you know, FCP work on a MacBook Air. So, I mean, I it's almost like... Apple does need a computer that like pushes the absolute limit of how small and thin a laptop could be, but there's so much love for the MacBook Air because it is still very thin and light. It does have a much more comfortable keyboard and it just really needs that retina screen. So um, I'm excited to see this coming out. And But I think like if you're talking about them doing like a more pro-oriented version of the MacBook Air. It's just, yeah, this is a confusing line already, yeah, it is. you know? Yeah, so, no, it, yeah. it is, yeah. although there there is some uh, precedent for them being confusing. I, I mentioned this to Gruber on Twitter, and he'd even forgotten that this existed. But in 2008, so in 2006, um, Apple released the, the MacBook, and that they had it in black and in white. 
And then in 2008, they kept the white MacBook that had FireWire and yep. it was plastic. They got rid of the black one, which was the best one. I'm, that's still mm-hmm. my my favorite, maybe maybe my favorite Mac ever. And they introduced a 15-inch, they redesigned the MacBook Pro and they introduced the 15-inch model that kind of had the design that they had until 2012 or 2013 and until the Retina models came out. And they introduced this, this 13-inch MacBook, unibody MacBook, that was not a Pro did not have FireWire, which made people like me very angry, um, was a little bit slower in some other ways, and for all intents and purposes was the the plastic MacBook, which they still sold. They only made it in white, but it was unibody now and and and, and prettier. And um, weirdly, it only lasted like one generation. And then the next summer, Apple released the 13-inch MacBook Pro, which was basically the same design, but they put FireWire 800 on it, and they added some other things, and uh, and and that and, and kind of pretended like you know the 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 first four way never happened, and that's actually how we got the 13 inch MacBook Pro because that didn't exist beforehand. It was always a 15 or 17 inch device. So they have a history of kind of you know changing names or kind of using having kind of confusing things there. So I don't know. I mean. I, it's possible they could just rename the touch bar the MacBook Air. I don't know. That would be weird and interesting. I realize that there are like very real consequences for them having a confusing product line. And my lizard brain is just like, I'm so excited for new machines. Tell me all about them. I'd like to know. So that's where I am. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander helps you communicate smarter. You can create snippets for things that you type, or let's be real, things that you copy and paste all the time. Start by making snippets for short things you use constantly, like email addresses, website addresses, today's date, the ASCII shrugging emoji. And why not make snippets for longer things you use regularly, like directions, Reference requests, proposals, answers to common questions, and more complex ASCII emoji. Then just summon those snippets in any app on Mac, Windows, iPhone, and iPad using an abbreviation or search for them using a hotkey while you're typing. You can even personalize your responses using fill-in fields, so when you expand a snippet, you have room to add any personal little details like a person's name, which you should do. Be very cautious about that, you know? Use people's Hmm. names correctly. Text Expander can save you so much time, whether you're trying to keep on top of email, planning a party that involves sending lots of messages, which can be so... Such a hassle. (laughs) Or whether you're just looking to be more productive. Also, you can power up your whole team by sharing snippets so that you're all responding consistently in a way that is appropriate for your company. So, yeah, Text Expander's awesome. Imagine never having to, like, I I think we all have that thing that we have to Google to copy and paste over and over and over again, and it's very obnoxious. Um, and uh, like, as you may have gathered, mine is the little shrugging, the shrugging guy with like <laughs> the symbols that aren't on my keyboard that I don't know how to yes. do. <laughs> yes. No, no. Yeah. I, I, I actually have a text expander a, a snippet, which is um, uh, asterisk, asterisk, shrug. That's great. 
<laughs> Bruce, I actually you have, have a, I, I have a whole uh, text expander uh, collection of um, of ASCII emoticons. Actually, oh my oh god, my god. You, it's like, real. I, the example yeah. was real. Yeah, you know, I, I yeah, genuinely, um, I can. Uh, I think it's public. Uh, I'll find the link. I'll put it in the show notes if it's one that I can like share out, um, or it might even be included as one that you can subscribe to or that's built into Text Expander. I'll have to check and see. But yeah, no, this is a real thing that I do. You also can do like the Slack style emojis anywhere with Text Expander. <gasps> oh, okay. Well, if you're interested in that, you can visit TextExpander.com/podcast for twenty percent off your first year. That is again text expander, T E X T E X P A N D E R dot com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. Thank you so much, Text Expander from Smile, for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. Brianna. Yes. Are you going to sell us on a show today? I'm going a on a train tomorrow. Are you? Are we going to talk about succession? Yeah. If all I right, were going to watch right. a show on my, like, five-hour train ride. Okay, so I want to be honest with you, Simone, about what you you've done to my are. family. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you have cost my family. So I wouldn't have gotten on the Westworld train if it Uh-oh. weren't for you. Talking Uh-oh. about on the show, and I'm like, because at first I'm like, uh, you know, cowboys, I don't care. It's whatever. so good though. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> the point. And now I have to pay for freaking HBO. How much is it like every month? Like ten dollars. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, and, I mean, you, I yeah, have Aunt, you do have an Aunt Christina. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh but <laughs> yeah. So it's like, how can I justify continuing HBO because like Westworld is amazing. I love season two. We haven't even talked about that. I think insecure season one was great. I've not been sold on it this season. You know, I think Bill Maher is kind of an increasingly irrelevant voice for liberalism though. I like John Oliver and I'm like, okay, well let's try. Yeah. Sharp objects is honestly, it's the worst Gillian Flynn novel out of all of the them. The show but, is so good. But the show is so okay, good. But okay. it's Amy Adams. Okay, I've not seen the show yet. So I will <gasps> it, add it's that. It's really good. Okay, because the novel is... I, I, I agree with yeah, you, but yeah. I agree with you, but it's Amy Adams. Okay, I will watch that. I haven't seen that, but I have seen Succession. Yes. And I want to talk to you about this. So imagine a show cast with the worst people that are completely unlikable. All of them. The main character of the show is Donald Trump Jr., (laughs) like someone that looks like him and acts like him, and you just loathe him every second he's on screen. Everyone is like that. So it's, it's basically, it's about this family of dreadful people that are trying to hold on to an aging, dying Fox media empire. (laughs) And like the subplot is like a Gizmodo type company that's like younger and hipper and more irreverent uh, gets on the board of this company is looking to destroy them. And it is, I mean, both of you work in media or you, you, well, you're still in media, Christina. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's all about, it's it's your career, like it's amazing. You should be watching this. Okay, I I'm I now now I'm I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna binge this this weekend. Um, you should do that. That sounds extremely appealing to me because I love 
dirty, filthy gossip. And I love it so much more when people's real careers aren't actually at stake. Yeah. um, I mean, I both, but like, uh, honestly, I mean, (laughs) to be honest, but uh, but I'm with you. I'd prefer it to, to be, you know, fake. But also, I have been pretty open about this before. I have a an obsession with Rupert Murdoch. Like, he you is, do. Yeah, he is kind of, I mean, you know, he's evil, whatever. But he's also brilliant. Like, I, I kind yeah. of like, I really kind of love him. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I kind of do. Like, I, you know, he's terrible, but he's also kind of amazing. You respect um, what he's accomplished. That's completely Without a doubt. Fair. I mean, I yeah. honestly, like, I'm, I've been, and I've, been really into Rupert Murdoch for a really long time. That's so I'm such interested a weird to that. thing, Christina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to judge you. I'm no, not I mean, judging. you can. It's right. fine. Uh, I, I, yeah, but I, I think it is honestly more like the Machiavellian, like, game respect. Like, I'm like, I, I think it's, it's the word obsessed. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I'm just obsessed with Rupert I Murdoch. have been for a really long time. I don't know. It's just, he's one of those, I don't know. Um, uh, I had a, I had a thing uh, in high school and college, but especially in college where I was really into moguls. Um, anyway, uh, so I definitely want to watch this. And also, it, it already sounds infinitely better than HBO's last uh, a, a non-documentary attempt uh, a, about a, a news-based show, you know, the newsroom. Oh uh, God, which, which I, I love, even though it's terrible. Sorkin. Me too. It was, oh, I mean, it was, but it was also great. Oh. It was really, I, I do think a lot of people who hated on the newsroom hated on it because they hated how accurate it was. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, it wasn't even that. It was like the episode where I'm like, I'm done. I've seen Newsnight like 500 times, like top to bottom. I can't even watch this anymore. Was the episode about rape where you had the woman that was like publishing the name of the man that sexually assaulted her. And then Aaron Sorkin's like white male character comes in to lecture her about it. And I'm just like, like it was was so bad and it shouldn't be that bad. I think so. No, I mean, I'm with you, but yeah, but but anyway, okay. So, so we're checking this out. Okay, I will binge Wait, this. Wait, I have weekend. one more thing to say. Yes. About. I want to spoil one scene that's gonna like completely sell you on this. Okay, so I want for you to imagine Donald Trump Jr., who is Ugh. their take on him is as inept as as frat boy as you could possibly imagine, and their company is in free fall. Uh, things are just going really badly. And he calls up the the Gizmodo owner that he's just <laughs> put on the board, and he says, "Now you listen. You will fall in line, and don't write anything about this. Don't make fun of us about this." And the guy's like, "We have editorial independence." He's like, "Nope. Well, you know, I don't care about that piece of paper. <laughs> you don't write marker there. Uh, don't, don't dare <laughs> write about that." And then it comes out the next day, and what's the headline on Gizmodo? <laughs> show at the <laughs> factory. <laughs> it's so many timestamps. So it's so perfect, and it's so Gizmodo. So yes, oh, without a doubt, I was going to say yes. that is something the Gawker slash Gizmodo yes, would still yes. do. Like it, it doesn't matter who oh. owns. Like <laughs> if, if Univision is able to sell the, the Gizmodo Media Group, whoever buys it, yeah. It, it, We'll have to contend with that because as long as as the good people that are, are working there work there, like there's no way that that would not be published one hundred percent. I love that. Thank That's God exactly for unions. How it happened. For, for, absolutely. And you've given me the title of this episode, Brianna. It should be that. I agree with it that. Is yes. Who show at the Frick Factory? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I think before we wrap up, we're just going to do a brief update on, of course, the biggest news story of these last two weeks, which, as yes. you all know, because you listen to the show and you care deeply about our interests, is the controversy of whether or not Azealia Banks and Elon oh Musk gosh. saw each other oh. at Elon Musk's house. And we have confirmation that they he did see her, he <sighs> says, yep. at his house. But even more importantly, Azealia Banks has been Instagramming what are allegedly text messages or f- through Signal from Grimes which say so many things that if indeed Grimes sent them, Azealia Banks is correct to say that Elon, that, that, that she is spreading Elon's business all over town, such as his, the, the size of certain appendages, <clears throat> which may be in his pants, and also whether or not his accent is fake. <laughs> There's so much. Christina, how do you oh, feel yeah. about the story? Uh, yeah, there, there- I mean, it's amazing. Um, there's also the part where uh, she says that uh, at first that, uh, that um, uh, Grimes says that when she first saw him, she she thought he was a wild thornberry. Doesn't Azealia Banks say that? Yes, yeah, that's yes. what I mean. And yes. and or, or, but 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 I guess like Grimes is doing an agreement or something. Anyway, it's it's uh, it's really it's tremendous. But also, it, I mean, I think that at least to me, this kind of puts to rest the question of like how smart is Grimes. <laughs> it really does. That's cold, because, Christina. That's cold. Uh, I'm sorry. Who texts yeah. stuff like this, assuming <laughs> these are real? Who sends Azalea Banks, even if you're on good terms? Who, like, come on. Of all the people you don't want to, like, share anything personal with. <laughs> how could you not have message? learned something from literally anything that she's done? This is what I'm saying. Like, literally, of all the people you don't want to say anything to. Like, at least where there's actual receipts. Like, if you're going to do that, like, you, you you do that over Snapchat. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, she's the person. Not that even. To, the, I, I'm with you. But I'm saying, like, this is, like, she's the person for whom, like, disappearing messages was, like, made for. <laughs> oh. Azealia so Banks has cold. every receipt. Accurate. Yeah. Even if cold. you didn't it's text so her, she knows what you've been texting. She has your receipts. Well, my, my favorite part of it, though, is that, is that Alana's and look, I can I can I think it can be both. I think he can be like, I have no idea who she is. And also like, oh, yeah, there was just some weird random person around my house. Like, I think both of those things can be true. Yeah. Um, although I would prefer to live in the fantasy where, you know, he's like talking and hanging out with her um, while he's, you know, dropping um, acid and tweeting. Exactly like that. But 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 I, I yeah, sadly, I, I don't think that's probably that likely. But but uh, but I do love that he had to like basically be like. Well, yeah, I mean, I saw her, but it's not like I talked to her or anything. And I mean, I, I also love the idea, like, apparently his his house is, like, so palatial. Like, there could be m- multiple, like, just randos just at any given time. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's And I'm not, uh, obviously, Elon Musk has so much money. But just imagining a house so huge and so frequented by strangers that you could see a person and just be like, all right. This part that whatever, I'm going to keep going about my day because this is one of the many people, despite the fact that I don't know who this is, who who is in my home on a regular yeah, basis. That's what I'm saying. Like, God bless. I mean, honestly, like props, dude. Like, 
I mean, but also that would kind of scare me. I would think for someone who strikes me as as paranoid as him, mm-hmm. that I would be, I would think, I would be like, hmm, are you a little better than you know maybe wanting to have strangers in your house that aren't vetted? Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I feel like if I was worth nineteen billion dollars, anybody who's in my house is like passed a background check. It's like TSA in my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been a good time. Oh, God, I forgot the most important part of this, which is that the alleged Grimes suggests that she's the one who introduced Elon Musk to the concept of 420, and that that is why they rounded up the $419 stock to 420 for the the lulls. And now, quote-unquote, the SEC is investigating him for fraud. Yes, because apparently, like, he, I guess, had never, you know, uh, done the marijuanas before her. Maybe he, I mean, he's South African. He d- probably did not know the 420, whatever. I mean, look, code. I mean, and, and look, it is legal in California. So, you know, God bless, enjoy yourself, um, uh, Elon. I mean, you know, you seem stressed. I think that that would probably be a good thing. But yeah. 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 Blaze I agree. All right. I'm we got to go to bed. It. We got to go Folks, to bed. What are you up to this week? Bree, what are you doing? I'm finishing up this darn election. <laughs> Yes. When does it end? I'm so tired. It ends on September 4th. And then I will be free to run again in 2020. Win or lose, which I will have to do. So You're so close. You're so close. Oh, God. I'm so proud of you. Oh, God. Yes, we are so proud of you. I absolutely killed it last night at an event. I mean, absolutely freaking killed it. I mean... I yeah. After this whole thing is over, I want to sit down on the show and have a retrospective about yeah. everything I've learned about running for office, and a lot of it is like what not to do. Like, uh, yeah. there's a lot I have to say about how different running for offices than running a startup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we will do that whole postmortem after this thing. Yeah, is I feel done. like but, I mean, especially uh, since so many more women are are running than ever. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I would love absolutely. to have your knowledge. It's it's really true. I mean, you know, part of um, I mean, like when I first released Rev sixty to the public at the first Pax East, we did it. Uh, I've never talked about this. We failed. People hated that Ooh. game, like um, because we were so in love with our cinematics and our animation that we didn't really have a perspective of what people that weren't on that development team were thinking. Mm-hmm. And you know, then we went and hired uh, somebody from Harmonics here in Boston that shipped one of the rock band games, mm-hmm. made a whole like user testing department, gave her carte blanche, and tested that game, filed off every rough edge, came back. You know, we won iMore's uh, Game of the Year for iOS the next year. So, you know, you've got to be willing to try things and fail and, and and do things differently. And that's a lot of what these you know last two years have been. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's why I'm up to finishing this up. That's awesome. And Christina, what about you? Uh, yeah, well, first of all, yeah, we're so proud of you, Brie. And, and Thank we you. regardless of what happens, we want to get the, the, the skinny from you um, uh, because I think that's so important. Um, so I am just, uh, you know, continue to do some work, um, continue to put put out videos. Um, I have finished my preliminary review of the Surface Go. We didn't have a chance to talk about it this week, but I will be writing some stuff about it and we will talk about it next week. Um, and so, so if you are interested in that, um, stay tuned, but also, uh, you know, uh, hit me up on Twitter if you, you you know, want, um, 280 character, uh, distillations of that. So, uh, yeah, um, I, next week, I will be around for the show, but I'm weirdly going to be 
making two separate trips to San Francisco. Oh my gosh. Which is just bad planning on my part. So um, I'll, I'll be doing a day trip on Tuesday and then I'll be going for the weekend on um, Friday. So I, if, if I had been smarter about it, I would have stayed just the whole week. But, <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a bright person. So, uh, I mean, I am, but I'm, I, I make mistakes. Mistakes were made. We all make uh, mistakes. Mis- mis- mistakes were made. So, uh, yeah, we'll be, uh, I'll, I'll be doing that. But yeah, um, just, uh, oh, I'm doing yoga tomorrow morning. Excited about that. Um, be careful because uh, I, I keep getting updates on the air quality in oh, your it's city. Oh, terrible. Yeah, no, oh. it's, so it's, bad. it's got awful. It's got awful. It's supposed to be better like tomorrow, I think. But no, it's it's freaking terrible right now. Like, Is it going to be better for you in San Francisco? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was last week. So Yeah, you really should have stayed. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I'll be back next week. Yeah, right now it is uh, currently, it is at uh, 174. <laughs> uh, the air quality index is at 174, which is uh, in the red zone. So uh, unhealthy. Yep. Oh, boy. Well. Worried, worried about you, Christina. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Uh, uh, the, 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 the brilliant people in Spokane think that they can put... Um, uh, fans on the roofs of their homes and send the smoke back to British Columbia. I wish I were joking, but alas, I am not. Um, and, uh, yeah. Good riddance. Take that Canada. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I, let's see, what am I doing? I am heading up to Vermont for my cousin's wedding. Um, tomorrow. (laughs) Whoops. Um, and I'm, yeah. So basically in, weird end of summer time right now but i have a video coming out i think soon kind of depends on how well i finished it today uh <laughs> since i get to find out tomorrow when i'm on the road whether i need to make changes or not um about the bow in horizon zero dawn and how freaking awesome it is so oh. i talked to um the sound well actually pat talked to the sound designer and i uh, pat and i together talked to the director of that game uh, just about the ways that they made the bow feel impactful. And it was a super illuminating and fun conversation that oh I very gosh. enjoyed. So I'm looking forward f- to having that video be out in the world. I'm looking forward to that too. I oh am my too. Goodness. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to see my updates on that, you can follow me on Twitter at Doomquasar. But even more usefully, you can follow Polygon on YouTube, youtube.com slash Polygon. And Brianna, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SpaceCatGal. If you want to contribute to the last push for my campaign, uh, you can go to supportbrianna.com. Nice. And Christina, what about you? Uh, you can find uh, my uh, my tweets and my Instagrams at uh, film underscore girl on the Twitter and the Instagram. You can find the videos that I make for work, which are lots of fun, um, at uh, Microsoft or at youtube.com slash Microsoft Developer. And uh, yeah, um, just pointed this out that currently... Um, the air quality index is 170-something, and an air quality index of 150 is the equivalent of smoking seven cigarettes a day. So the air quality right now is worse than than smoking seven cigarettes a day. Wow. <sighs> okay. I'm sorry. I mean, it, you know, whatever, but it's five times worse than Beijing. So, uh, oh, so that says something. Okay. Well, we'll check back in with you on that next week. Uh, somebody please you, put out the fires in Western, or, yeah, Western Washington. Um, maybe Eastern Washington, too. I don't know really I mean, where I mean, they're all coming from. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Spokane sure seems to think that it's, yeah, I mean, Canada. that's just so Canada's dumb. But anyway, fault. yeah. Whatever. Oh, gosh. Well, okay. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of Rocket. If you liked it, you can, of course, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, which is something that helps the show get visibility and new listeners, which is something that we like because we like to have that. Uh, and, of course, you can tell a friend about the show, too. That's an even possibly easier way to get new listeners. For, like, added bonus, just keep telling the same friend about it, even if they tell you they're not interested, just every week. Start yeah, slipping just, it in the conversation. Be, because you know what? You will wear them down. That is that is the rocket <laughs> way. You will wear them down, listeners. That's what will happen. Thanks so much, everyone. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.